We've spoken with the two clubs, Subiaco and Claremont. Let's chat to a man who's played for both clubs. He's chatting racing with us, but we need to throw a few footy questions at him as well. Riley Morgan, good morning. Good morning, JL. How are you? I'm good. Now, you've played for both clubs. You know this rivalry as well as anybody. There's always been a bit of feeling when Subi play Claremont, hasn't there? There's been a few little uh, melees of recent years. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great rivalry. Rivalry, I'd say it's one of the, the best in the waffle, and there's been some some terrific games of footy played over the last sort of few years as well. One that springs to mind is a, a game at Claremont Oval where Subi was sort of six goals down and were able to come back and win a, a few years ago, and it's a, sort of an instant classic. And these two clubs certainly are, don't die wondering when they play each other. No, very very true. And we broadcast that game. Ben Sokol kicked the winner in the dying minutes, and uh, yeah, sank the heart of the the Claremont fans on that particular day. Have you got? a newfound appreciation for the rivalry now being on the other side of it, Riley, having been on the Claremont side for many years? Um, probably not a new appreciation for the rivalry. It's one that was always going to sort of hold strong, even sort of shifting clubs over to Serbia. But no, they nothing's really surprised me, JL. Um, they're two very proud clubs and I know that they sort of demand demand high standards week in, week out and it sort of is amplified when they play each other and I guess that's sort of what a rivalry brings to look at sort of big sort of when the derby comes around in the AFL and examples like that is although at that sort of level of footy we're playing the standards are demanded from each other week in, week out it sort of just goes to that next level when you play against each other in a game like Claremont versus Luby. All right, there's been a bit happening in Perth racing over the last weeks with the the quacker and all that sort of stuff, but I see Albany's getting in on it. They've uh, announced a, a slot event down there. I did, I did see that, Wayne. It's uh, it's it's a it's a good sort of it's a good concept for the uh, I guess the the country battlers. I think is the sort of uh, the the aim behind it, and, and having a slot race for I guess the sort of trainers perhaps don't have the the finances or the I guess the sort of prestige as these big trainers that are able to to afford slots in races like the Quokka. But no, it's a uh, it's an ambitious sort of plan, and I'm, I'm interested to see how it all eventually sort of pans out. But no, I did see that yesterday. Don't know a great deal about it yet, but uh, no, best of luck to them. Good weekend of racing. Uh, the Quokka. Before we talk about this weekend coming up, the success of the Quokka. Gee, it was a great race, photo finish, and um, a lot of eyeballs on it at Ascot last week. Oh, what a success the Quokka was, Jail. It's, uh, it's, it's an idea and a concept that it had a few knockers in its early days, and um, I think it, uh, on the basis of, of last weekend and the, what the, the story behind the, the winners and the slot there, Ram Racing, and what they've, what they've been able to do with their sort of syndicate of, of footy mates from, from all different walks of life, from farming to, to sort of Scarborough, Amateur Footy Club, Northern Greyhounds, just to bring a whole different group of people together and and be able to compete with these these big syndicates that have been sort of dominating these sort of races for some time. And it was a great story, and it was a, a great race in itself as well. And it was just a yeah terrific day of racing, and I look forward to seeing it sort of develop in the next few years to come. What about tomorrow? What have you got for us? Tomorrow's obviously with the sort of the the clocker sort of brings to an end the. Uh, the main sort of races in the Ascot Carnival. But no, I do actually like a few uh, tomorrow, um, Wayne. It's a, a few horses I think have nicely placed throughout the program. We'll, we'll kick off with my best, and we actually need to wait a fair bit on the weekend for my best. It comes up in the last event 
of the day. And I think featherweight for Danny Morton, who resumes here first up, looks a great bet um, on resumption. I thought that his recent trial under Chris Parnham was, was ominous, that he's come back in superb order. And, and looking back to his first up effort last campaign, he was a, a brilliant winner in a 72-plus 1,200-metre event, beating home. A key rival he meets again here and above the peg, and he's actually three and a half kilos better off here for doing so, beating that runner home there. And if he doesn't get held up briefly once they straighten for home, he probably beats him by over a length as well, only adding sort of more strength to that performance. And Luke Campbell, who it's his final day using utilising that three kilo claim he's got, I think if Luke Campbell can sort of tack him onto that three wide moving line with a bit of cover here, blending into the race and keep him out of any trouble, I suspect that his final three kilo claiming ride. Uh, in his career, he can go out with a bang. All right. You said you've got a few. Give us the rest. Well, best value for those that like a, a bit of each way. Best value for me comes up in race number six, horse number five, K-May, uh, for Sue Olives. And now this horse, she gets out to her, her undoubtedly a pet trip of the mile here third up. And, and for me, she was just made to snag back from a wide gate last start circumstantially. She was going to be caught wide if they, if they did roll forward and... She came home in the best late splits of the race. So I thought she, she hit the line super and she hit a little flat spot as well approaching the corner, which is it's a good thing as it suggests to me that there's a little bit more improvement to come with her here. So drawn much more favourably with a couple of horses in the race, no chance, and Chevelle de Vaga to, to really roll forward. There's the opportunity to Taj Dyson to ride her a lot more positively out of the machine. She's got really good gate speed and I think she can lob in the first four in running here as opposed to how far back she got last start and Sue Olive's team's ticking along very nicely at the moment they're all going to the races and running very well and she's going to be each way and each way quote all the way through betting and I, I really like how this race changes for her so around that sort of nine dollar mark I think she's the, the comfortably the best each way of the day Alrighty anything else for us earlier in the day Morgs with the, uh, the, the tips you've given us so far a little bit later in the card Yeah absolutely in the first there's a, a really promising Philly for Michael Lane, who goes around the favourite in Rusty Dreams, who's put three in a line to, to begin her career. And I just love how she attacks the line. And, and all the form around her is turning into winning form as well, which I really like. And she had to do a bit of work early last start over the 1,400 metres. But once they sort of balanced up and straight for home, she, she really put pace to them quickly. And from barrier one, she maps for another great run here on the, on the back of a leader that should give her a good enough kick to enable her some room to move at the top of the straight. She's only only penalised the two kilos of the weights here as well, and I think she just has to tick the box of running out a, a strong mile for mine to be, to be putting another sort of pillar in that fence, and she's more than capable of going four from four to start her career. So that's race one, uh, number five, Rusty Dreams, Chris Parnham aboard there. Anything else from the card, Morgs, or does that round you out? Um, there's a couple of other races I do like. Um, probably not as confident as the, the race that I have spoken about in, in race two. I think No Dice is really well placed second up for, for William Pike and Sarah Evans, race two, number eight. It comes through a, a strong 1,000-metre form race, and I think William Pike is a jockey that really complements the type of horse she is. She's a real sort of get get sort of fine cover nice turn of foot sprint high and horse and from barrier two it just allows him to sort of lob her where he wants behind the speed and can sort of pick his way through late and I think that's a it's a great sort of jockey horse pairing there as he complements the type of horse that she is and the two year old race is an interesting one I'm, I'm happy to have a bet in it as well actually JL but I'm, I'm playing two horses in a sort of back save play 
more special for, for Paul Jordan comes through the gym crack and chose to bypass the Caracatta, which I think was a, a, a smart move. And I thought her effort there behind some quality fillies was super. She was beaten just a tick under two legs, super smink and lived to tell, who, who, as we know, ran the Cornella last weekend in the Caracatta. Augment, who, who obviously didn't come up, but was a very nice run there with some shin soreness, and, and Kristen Over, who's a very nice horse as well. And she didn't get didn't, didn't get to take up her favoured role in running there leading. She was unable to find the top and was instead made to sort of tow the rest of the field up to the leader. And for me, that's by far the best exposed form here on paper. And from barrier one, you'd anticipate that she has the early speed to kick through and lead this time. And hold up in front, controlling the race. And I'm going to start up with her, make her the main bet in the race. But I, I do want to have a saver. And I think it's a nice price for a saver as well. So you can sort of square off in the race on Danny Morton's debutante Bondi Plunge, who's really looked the part in a couple of trial victories to date. And what I like the most about her trial wins is she's won one from going back in the field and making her run around them. And she's also won one from in front leading them up. So I like that she's shown that versatility early and, in barrier four, she she looks the part. She's looked really smart, and a little query on the fact that there hasn't been a great deal of race form from those two trials. So we don't really know what she's been beating, but going to trust the eye here and suggest that she's very smart and capable of making a winning debut as well. Morgs, always appreciate those tips. Uh, can you recap them for us? Recap, this bet of the day for me comes up in the last, so we have to be very patient. Race nine, number two, featherweight, Danny Morton and Luke Campbell. It's final ride utilising that valuable three-kilo claim he got. Best value of the day comes up in race six, number five, K-May. Let's do Olive and Tards Dyson. And then first three races on the program, keen to get involved. Race one, number five, Rusty Dreams. Race two, number eight, No Dice for Sarah Evans and William Pike. And in race three, I'm happy to be with more special on top at $5.50 and having a saver on the debutante there, Bondi Plunge for Danny Morton and Chris Parnham. Brilliant. Um, Morgs, I know you're still uh, in the extended squad for tomorrow's game against uh, your old mob, so hopefully you get a, cr- a crack against some of your good mates and hopefully you can record a pretty important win in your season. Good luck with the race tips as well. Thanks very much, boys. Looking forward to it. Riley Morgan, our man on a Friday, a racing expert and waffle uh, midfielder for Subiaco. I played last week and he's still very much in the mix to play tomorrow.